quick challenge for you all. You know, we, we do this real short break, this uh, whatever you want to call it, community break, say hi to your neighbor break, most weeks, and we do it very intentionally. It's really not just to give a high five to your friends. It's because every week there's new people here, and we want an opportunity for the people who are new to be greeted by those of you that are part of the family and have been around for a while. So I just encourage you guys, every time we have that opportunity to take that break, go find somebody you do not know and just welcome them. Um, I met a couple families this morning that are new to the area and it just seems like there's always people coming in and so what a cool thing that we can invite people and just invite them into the house. And so uh, I just encourage you guys to utilize that time very intentionally. Before we get going this morning, I'm gonna ask Kyle and Stephanie to come up here. Where is he? Is it just you? What's that? Just Stephanie? She's a lot smaller than she was before. What's that? She's getting tea. Okay. Um, we're going to surprise her when she comes back in, though. <laughs> uh, if you guys don't know, Kyle and Stephanie, Kyle's last day with our church, uh, on staff at our church, was this last Wednesday. And so Kyle and Stephanie are moving to Wyoming. And this is their last Sunday with us. So we're going to take an opportunity to pray over Kyle and Stephanie this morning. Uh, I don't know if my wife's in here or if any of our, el any of our elders want to come up. Um, I just want to lay hands on them and just tell you guys again how much we love you guys and how sad I am. And I'm not going to cry. I'll save that for later. We can text cry with one another later. That's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well. Let's pray for Colin Stephanie. You guys want to stand with us and just extend a hand forward. Father, we just thank you for the time that the Blazers have had with us, that you've had them serve with us. And we just um, are so thankful for the work that they've done. And Father, as they leave, we just want to send them in, the, in um, your power and in our blessing. Um, and with your spirit, Lord, as they go. And we pray that you give them um, clear, clarity in their next steps and you just go with them, Lord. Jesus, we do just thank you so much for the lives that have been changed by your spirit through this couple. Lord, we thank you for their friendship. We thank you, God, that they're, they're part of the family here. I thank you for their investment in our youth. Um, over the last five years. And Jesus, I just pray your blessing upon them. I do pray that you go before them, Jesus. I know there's a lot that they're waiting to fall into place. And I just ask, God, that you would give them rest, give them just complete peace and the ability to trust you with what's ahead. And Jesus, may you just blow them away. I just pray for miracles to open up, Lord, doors to open that no man can open. And that, Jesus, they would see your hand, your, your literally your fingerprints all over this story. Lord, we thank you so much for their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you guys just say real big, we love you, Colin, Steph? How we doing? You guys ready to talk about the Holy Spirit again? All right. It's going to get crazy this morning. I'm just saying. No, I'm kidding. Uh, last week we started the series on 
the, the Holy Spirit, but really it was to get into the next few weeks and talking through spiritual gifts. And so last week we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, today, I just want to do like a brief overview over gifts of the Spirit, and then the next three weeks we'll kind of divide those chunks of gifts up and talk through as best we can um, some of those specific gifts. But if we believe that, that, that God is made up of these three persons that we talked about last week, this Trinity, the Father, the Son, and His Spirit, then one of the primary roles that we see for the Holy Spirit is to empower and to equip his people with these spiritual gifts. One of the tricky things as a pastor about talking through spiritual gifts is that just the mere mention of this topic is often accompanied by several different emotions, right? Either one, there's some of you that are like just confused, flat out confused when it comes to this topic. You're sort of like spiritual gifts, like what the heck are those? Uh, two, some of you may be on the other side, uh, even you're not very clear on what spiritual gifts are, but you're like, gifts? Like, I want one, you know, like, hook a brother up. Some of you have heard this discussion before, and maybe you feel a little bit of frustration, maybe there's some anxiety when it comes to this conversation. Some of you might be saying to yourself, like, this is just way too complicated to worry about, and so you just kind of file it away. Others of you might be feeling sort of worried or concerned, like spiritual gifts are just dangerous and so I don't touch them and we stay away from those, right? Some of you may be super fired up about this and you're like, we gotta have gifts, like which one's mine, you know? Like give me a specific gift, which one's mine? And others of you may be just indifferent to the whole thing, like a little bit apathetic, like eh. But, this morning, like I understand that all of these feelings come from your particular experiences with regards to the Holy Spirit, how it's been taught about, how you've heard about these gifts, how it's functioned or been handled in prior churches that you've been to. But some of you have not talked about spiritual gifts at all in your walk or your journey with Jesus. Like this is totally new to you. Some of you have had these experiences with churches who have encouraged, encouraged you to pursue these spiritual gifts and to ask for them. Some of you have had these experiences where maybe churches or leaders have encouraged you to not pursue the spiritual gifts at all. Um, some of you have your favorite pastors or theologians that you listen to have strong opinions on these topics, and so you tend to side with their opinions. And I sort of want to approach this topic this morning and the next few weeks sort of honestly, I want to approach it scripturally, because pastors often tread lightly on the subject sort of out of a fear of erring on one side or the other, because the reality is that though we try super hard to try to figure all of this out and have a very well-formulated opinion on this, there's so much of this that we do not understand 100%. Like, we just don't get it. And so we should take heed of Paul's warning or his concern that he shares with the church in Corinth when he addresses them regarding spiritual gifts. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translation says, don't be ignorant of these things. Uh, it's interesting when you look at this this word gifts that's used for spiritual gifts, some of you are going to cringe because the word is actually charismata, right? When we talk about charismania or the charismatic, um, this is really what we're talking about. And what sucks for me 
is I would identify myself as a charismatic, but not as um, the category of charismatic that makes some of us cringe. Does that make sense? But when we say charismata, like this Greek word for gift, it actually means favor, it means grace, it means kindness. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're not just talking about these crazy, miraculous, powerful things that nobody can understand. We're talking about gifts, like graces, kindness, the favor of God that's been bestowed upon us, and not just bestowed upon us, but been bestowed upon us to then be given to others, to invest in, to, to use to edify his church. And so the, the reality is that, that this topic matters a ton in our Christian walk, you guys. Like, you cannot be a believer and not sk and skirt this topic. Like, we have to talk about what this means for you and I. And so regardless of your experiences, we want to go to the scriptures today to see what God says about spiritual gifts, that we might be informed, that we would not be ignorant with regards to these graces that God has given us. So let me pray for us, and then let's hop in. I want you to take 30 seconds, and I want you to tune your heart to Jesus' voice this morning, just total silence. And we're just going to ask him to come this morning and speak to each of us. Jesus, what an amazing opportunity we have this morning to open up your word, to literally just rest in your presence. I can feel myself inside sometimes when I get into these moments, thinking about the rest of my day, all that has to be done, emails that has to be checked, texts that have to be sent, people that have to be talked to. And I just am praying, Jesus, that in this moment, we wouldn't escape this moment, God. We, we ask that you would meet us in this place. We ask that our ears could be tuned to your voice this morning, Jesus. Let our hearts be formed, transformed, shaped by you this morning. And we give you this time and we pray that you'd speak to us, that you'd give us understanding on these things that we read about, that you want to bless us with these gifts, Lord, these graces from you by your spirit. And so this morning we open up our hearts our minds to hear from you, and we pray that in this time, Jesus, you would just anoint it by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So to kind of kick off this morning, um, I, I'm gonna admit going into this, that this discussion this morning is sort of just, the, this message is kind of the beginning of the discussion. Like for many of you, I may not hit on like your personal questions with regards to spiritual gifts, because I know that we'll have many more opportunities to talk about this in the life of our church and especially over the next few weeks. But what I want to do is sort of lay a groundwork for this discussion of how spiritual gifts should be thought about in our lives. And so my, there, there's four things that I, I just kind of pray that you are the main takeaways, things that are kind of solidified in your heart this morning. And, and the first one is this, that the Holy Spirit actually is the gift that we've received from God. We, we often want to pursue all these tertiary gifts, but the Spirit himself is the gift that God has graced us with. Second, is that these spiritual gifts, they're, they're unique expressions of the Holy Spirit through each of his unique people. He's uniquely wired each of you differently, and 
these gifts all function differently within each of you. So the, this is the diversity of the body of Christ. Last week I talked about the 80-20 rule in church. Like there's nothing more frustrating from a church leadership standpoint than to know that, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Or that churches often position leadership in a way that it's sort of like those are the gifted and the called ones. The other 80% of us don't really have anything to offer. We just come and partake of the gift that the 20% have. I want to, like in Jesus' name, defeat, like beat down that lie this morning. Because the best case scenario for Jesus' church is that all of us in this room that call ourselves followers of Jesus would be able to identify the gifts that he's bestowed upon us, within us, and utilize them to edify, to build up, to invest in, to unify the body of Christ. Third thing is that the Holy Spirit expresses himself through God's people so that we might serve one another and point each other to God. I mean, that's a huge part of why we get these gifts. They're not for us. They don't make us look good. They're not to give Chris a platform so he can like look really rad in people's eyes because of the gifts that God's given him. The gifts actually should be, one, recognizes the grace from the Lord, two, recognizes an opportunity to edify the church, and three, it should, they should bring the church together. They should point us back to Jesus. And fourth thing is that God's people are called to love and pursue as many of these expressions or these gifts that God might be pleased to give us. So when we were a few months ago working our way through the beginning of the book of Acts, we stopped after Acts chapter 2, uh, right when the Holy Spirit fills all the believers on the, on the day of Pentecost. And as you continue to go through the book of Acts, you see this general discussion of spiritual gifts often. Like we're told that signs and wonders are literally happening all over. Acts 5.12 says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done. That's what it says. And then you see this over and over again throughout the book of Acts, that Acts 2.43, that many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Acts 4.30, that, that signs and wonders were being performed through the name of Jesus. Acts 5.12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done by the hands of the apostles. Acts 6.8, that Stephen was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Acts 8, 6. Philip also moving in these signs and wonders. Acts 8, 13. That Simon believed after seeing signs and great miracles being performed. Acts 14, 3. That granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands, by the hands of Paul and Barnabas. Acts 15, 12. Paul and Barnabas. That they related what signs and wonders God had done through them. And so when you look at the specifics of what's happening, you see many types of miracles and signs occurring. Healings, you see tongues, you see prophecy, you see many more. Acts 2-3, the disciples speak in tongues at Pentecost. Acts 3, 1-10, the disciples heal a man by the gate beautiful. Acts 5, 10-12, the sick are brought to the apostles for healing. Even the shadows crossing heals them. Acts 10, Peter and Cornelius receive visions. Acts 10, 46, they're speaking in tongues, Peter and these Gentiles. Acts 11, 27, 28, Agabus prophesies in Jerusalem. Acts 19, 6, Paul lays hands on the Ephesians who speak in tongues. Acts 20, 7 through 12, Paul speaks to the man 
uh, speaks this man to sleep who falls out of the window and he's resurrected. Acts 21.4, the believers start to prophesy at Tyre. Acts 21.9, Philip's daughter prophesies at Caesarea. Acts 21.10 and 11, Agabus prophesies to Paul. Like you see this over and over again. These signs and wonders, these gifts kind of breaking out in the church. And really the, the goal of the book of Acts is to describe for us this movement of God through his Holy Spirit. How the church would now function as a result of having this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Whereas the gospel story, we spent two and a half years in the book of Matthew, who was with us for that long one, right? In the gospel accounts, it shows us the story of Jesus and his work during his life on earth. You get to the book of Acts, and now all of a sudden it's the movement of the Holy Spirit through God's people. And so Acts shows the beginning of the rest of history, like how the Holy Spirit is now at work in this world in a very new and very unique way to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through his people. And I think it's best summarized by saying that the Holy Spirit empowers his people to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people with boldness and without hindrance. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so as you work your way throughout any book of the Bible, one of the questions you have to ask is whether the author who's penning this book is describing events to us or prescribing something for us to believe or do. And I think we have to ask that same question here about these miracles and these signs and these gifts. If you look at the rest of the Bible to see what it says about this, the first conclusion you come to is that the Holy Spirit is now here and the Holy Spirit is now working through God's people. Like, were the gifts just descriptive when they're talked about? Or were they prescriptive? Or were they both? And that's something that we have to decide. And so I want to start out again this morning looking at one of Paul's primary writings that he uses to talk to the church in Corinth about spiritual gifts. This is what Paul says. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We'll go 1 through 3 right now. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. So basically what Paul is saying is that it's only by the Holy Spirit that we're able to even confess that Jesus is God. And so when we see people acting and speaking in ways that honor God through Jesus Christ, we know that the Holy Spirit must be in that person. In Acts 10, that's exactly what happens to Peter. He hears these Gentiles praising God, so he knows they must have been saved and given over to the Holy Spirit. And it's only with the Holy Spirit that anyone can praise God, that anybody can actually have their hearts be transformed to love him and to have their ears opened to the gospel of Jesus. Peter says this in Acts 2. Peter says to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Holy Spirit. In fact, as you look at scripture, scripture we have to remember that the Holy Spirit, again, is the gift. He's the gift that we've received from God. And so Peter goes back to Joel chapter 2 in his explanation to the Jews at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, 17 to 21, he says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, 
that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the, this law that was given to Moses in the Old Testament didn't have the power to change their hearts, to transform their hearts. And so everyone needed God to sort of intercede in their life to do only what he could do, to change our desires completely, to transform us from the inside out. And so God accomplishes this through Jesus' righteous life, through Jesus' death and his resurrection. Jesus sends the helper, the spirit, and Paul and the apostles make it really clear that receiving the Holy Spirit is the sign that you're actually a believer. Like believers now walk in the Spirit. And so if our first question regarding spiritual gifts is whether we all have the gift, the, the Holy Spirit of God in us, we would say that, that Scripture gives us a resounding yes. Like those who are believers who have called upon the name of the Lord do have the Spirit in them. Like praise the Lord for this. But I want you to stop for a minute, and I want you to think about how amazing this is, actually. That you, like the believer, have the very Spirit of God within you. Like something that was promised for centuries, you get to actually experience fully in your faith in Jesus. Like that's such a treasure. God's Spirit within you, guiding you, empowering you making you more like Jesus, bringing you into relationship with the one and only God of our universe. So as you continue to look at scripture, you start to see how extensive this work of the Spirit actually is within us. We, we see what are called the fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians chapter 5, which are the ways that the Holy Spirit is changing our minds and, and our hearts and our affections, that we might love God, uh, that, that we may love the way that God loves and we might love like how he loves us. And, and so the fruit of the Spirit are things like love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These you all should have pouring out of your life. These aren't gifts. This is the fruit. Those who walk in Christ that have been filled by the Spirit, these things should ooze out of us. And if God is working on, on our inward desires through his Spirit then we shouldn't be surprised to find that our actions begin to be affected as well, that they change. Like, listen to what, how Paul talks about the actions of the Spirit through us in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Romans 12, 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 1 Peter 4, 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. When I dedicated my life to Jesus... 
Interestingly enough, the first book I opened to and began to read was 1 Peter. And I got to 1 Peter 4.10, uh, the translation that I memorized it in. It says, each one should use whatever he, gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I memorized that. Now, I was a skateboard punk, snowboard kid at the time. The only gift that I thought I had from God was that I could snowboard. <laughs> and the question I began to ask God is like, you give me this ability to snowboard. I read about this gift. This is it, Lord. And oftentimes what we do is we begin to take our affinities or our talents and we begin to equate these to spiritual gifts. And so I can snowboard, so that's my spiritual gift in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What I realized the decade on the back, on the back end of working like with skateboarders and snowboarders for the large majority of like my formative years in ministry was that what I sort of elementarily thought was the gift, snowboarding, was actually a talent that the Lord gave me so that the actual gift that I have could be used. And I realized years later that God didn't call me as a snowboarder, that God called me as a pastor to pastor snowboarders. And then I began to see the crossover of the gift. We live in this society where it's sort of jacked up when we start to tie talents to spiritual gifts. And so we're all looking for, what am I good at? Well, the reality is if you go back in scripture and you see the people that God used, were the majority of them really good at the thing that God told them to do? No. I mean, Moses couldn't speak if his life depended on it, right? He didn't speak eloquently, yet the Lord used him to lead his people. I mean, go down the list. And so it's important for us to understand when we talk about, pray for, look to, study spiritual gifts, that we begin to identify what are the spiritual gifts, what are the things that, that I possess, how has the Spirit gifted me? So each of these passages that I read are, are in this context of the life of a believer and how they should live out that life in the Spirit. And so we're told each person has this manifestation of the Holy Spirit, what we would call a spiritual gift. <laughs> and that these are simply these unique expressions of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. And they're sort of being worked out practically in our lives. There's not one that's greater than the other. Although we often do that. We place this hierarchy on the gifts, but really the gifts are all equal and they're used by the body of Christ to equally invest in his people to build up the church. But again, like if faith without works is dead, as James says in James chapter two, then we're actually blessed that God supernaturally intercedes on our behalf that both our desires and our actions actually begin to glorify God, like spiritual fruit and spiritual gifts. But why is the Holy Spirit transforming our outward expressions? Why, why is that a thing? Paul says this in Romans 1, 11 and 12, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. There are many reasons that God has given us his Holy Spirit, right? But one of the reasons he empowers and he equips us is that we might serve, encourage, and strengthen one another. 
This is one of the most amazing aspects and overlooked aspects of the gifts that we've received in the Spirit. This is where our typical understanding comes from regarding gifts, that God's Spirit is at work in us, that it will manifest itself in ways that are a gift to you and others, that God would be glorified, and that we, the church body, would all be strengthened because of the fact that you're contributing your gift to the body. Hear me out for one second. What happens if 80% of the professed followers of Jesus that are part of the body of Christ don't utilize the gifts that God's given them or gifts? What happens? I say that's a fairly handicapped church. If the body of Christ is strengthened as you begin to pitch in what you have, what you've been given, the body of Christ is strengthened. More people are pointed back to Christ. They see Christ in this diversity of the gifts being contributed to the body of Christ. Listen how Paul talks about this. He uses phrases like variety of gifts, gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, that each has received a gift. Like Paul recognizes the breadth of God's work in God's people. Like since every believer has received the gift of the Holy Spirit, we should actually expect that God is active in them in as many varied ways as he has varied people that he has created. Like everybody's working in ways to glorify God and give grace to his people. And so the Holy Spirit is the gift from God, right? Spiritual gifts are the unique expressions of the Holy Spirit of God through each one of his unique people. The Spirit expresses himself through God's people that we might serve one another and point each other to God. Again, it's God's plan. Like it's amazing. He's chosen you and he's chosen me to be a part of the process of encouraging other believers and bringing God glory by working in our lives both to change our hearts and to affect our actions through his spirit. Like that's his, the miraculous work of God. Man, it's so lame when all we focus on is the signs and wonders side of the gifts and we don't care anything about the majority of the other gifts that are mentioned. I just want the signs and wonders stuff. Like, I want to see healing. I want to see miracles. I want, I want to hear prophecy. But yet, all these other gifts are equally as miraculous. Like, do we not get that? That God has wired you so amazingly that no matter what gift it is that he's given you, as you begin to share it, it's a miracle that you are prompted by his spirit to begin to use what he's given you to edify and build up and strengthen his church. That's amazing. It's a miracle. A total miracle. So let, let's look at some other these same passages and see some of the examples given with regards to the expressions of the Spirit in his people. What are some of these gifts? 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, and you guys can underline these as we go through these in your Bible. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter sort of summarizes these expressions or these gifts of the Spirit into two main categories, right? These serve gifts and speaking gifts. 
Romans 12, 6. It says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contribute, contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, he who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So Paul gives us this, this list of different gifts of the Spirit worked out through his people's lives. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhorting, contributing, aiding, mercy. And then the remainder of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives another list. He goes on to say, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so he lists out a really different list in the second half, but one that shows us the, this variety of ways that the Holy Spirit works through his people. Words of wisdom, utterances of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, languages, tongues, interpretation of these tongues. And then in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, he gives another list. He says... And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So now you've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. And so I want to pause for a moment and look at the, the typical positions people take when they talk about spiritual gifts. When you hear these mentioned, here's kind of the positions all over the map that you see people in the Christian church taking. One, spiritual gifts don't exist. They just aren't for today. Spiritual gifts were for just the first century. Another, spiritual gifts exist today, but not miraculous gifts. So when, we, when it comes to prophecy and healing and miracles, don't, those don't exist today, but the rest of them do. Therefore, you need to just sort of discover the gifts or the talents that you have and then serve in those gifts. Another view, that spiritual gifts exist today, both miraculous and non-miraculous, non but the miraculous are really, 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 really rare, maybe even only limited to people that serve in the mission field in other countries. Another one, that spiritual gifts exist today, both the miraculous and the non-miraculous, and it, that it's the believer's responsibility to seek both types of these gifts. And then the last one is that spiritual gifts exist today, both miraculous and non-miraculous, that they're a sign of God's favor on you, and that you should look for a second experience or second blessing to receive these beyond salvation and expect to see certain gifts, if not all of them in your life as proof of your favor with God. There's many traditions in the faith that refer to the second blessing. Anybody ever grow up in a tradition like that? They refer to 
you your baptism of the Holy Spirit as the second blessing. Like there's salvation and you receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, but then there's the second blessing to come, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you when you ask for it, and it's a second blessing. Anybody grow up in those traditions? You don't have to be ashamed. Come on. I, I grew up in that tradition. And um, it, it's interesting when I look back uh, on my life and I see how God has moved. And I, I asked our sermon team this week, I'm like, you guys think I should get personal about my own experience with this stuff? Because what I don't want to do is freak people out. Um, but I, I also, you're like, oh my gosh, I knew that dude was a closet Pentecostal. You know, he's just, he's been waiting for this. Bam, you know. Uh, or, or two, at all, have you guys assuming that my way is the same way for you? And so I, I want to share my experience, but I want to do it lightly because I don't think it's necessarily everybody's experience, and by no means am I making the assumption right now that because it went this way for me, this is exactly how it should go for you. I grew up in the Pentecostal world, um, charismania. Uh, my wife was actually involved at a church where there was a lot of barking in the spirit and very interesting things that happened. Uh, anybody remember the Toronto blessing in the 90s? I came from the charismatic world and the Toronto blessing freaked me out. You know, I was like, whoa. And, and so having come out of that experience, for me, I, I, I tread lightly, because I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't, when I read the Bible, I don't understand how these align with scripture. I don't see these odd gifts, like barking in the spirit, talked about, or getting drunk in the spirit. Like, I don't, like, I don't understand what all this is. Um, but I ended up kind of turning myself off to all of it, because for me, it just freaked me out. And so I wanted nothing to do with it. So fast forward, I go to Bible college in 1999. And, um, and I went to an Assemblies of God Bible college and grew up in the Assemblies of God world. And uh, it was about a month into Bible college. Uh, man, if you haven't been to an Assemblies of God Bible college, there's two things that, that, that people want to make sure you have there. Uh, one is that you leave with a wife. And, uh, and two is that you... Uh, you know, you speak in tongues, like you have to do it. And, um, and it was really hard for me because like I was, because of my experience, I was just so afraid of the, the, the freakier gifts. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm getting real honest with you guys. So I go to this prayer and worship night with a bunch of guys from my dorm one night and we are standing at the altar at the stage while this worship band's playing and we're just worshiping. And this guy who I know that lived a couple doors down from me in my dorms comes over to me and he goes, Chris, have you ever spoken tongues? And I go, nope. You know, don't think I want to either. You know, thanks for the offer. Um, he goes, I just think that the Lord wants me to pray over you. And I, and I don't know why. But I want to pray over you. Do you mind if I pray? I'm like, oh, I know what you're going to do. You know, <laughs> that, that, that kind of forceful hand to get me on the ground. Like, ah. I've been there, done that. And as I stood there and the, this group of guys began to pray for me, I had this radical encounter with Jesus where in like one moment, what I could tell was I could feel my knees buckling 
And I was like, nope, not doing it. I know this game. You know what I mean? Like, I grew up around this. Not happening to me. Um, and then I could feel the resistance, like, just physically. I was like, no, not, not happening, not happening. And they were praying, they're praying, like, super genuine. They were, like, great dudes. There was no pretense or no, it wasn't weird. And um, in a moment, like, the Lord spoke very clearly to me. And he said, how do you expect me to trust you with your life if you can't trust me with your tongue? And for me, what I realized in this moment, that it was a control issue, that really what I wanted was control of my life, like every part of it, that there were things that I would relinquish to the Lord, but not everything, not my tongue. When I heard that, and please don't get freaked out by this, I literally fell onto the ground and started speaking in tongues. I've never had an experience like that since then. But what I knew in that moment was that the Spirit was doing something in me. And what he was doing was really, it was a sanctification thing. It was a reminder of who's actually in control of like every part of my body and my life. It was a relinquishing of that to him, allowing him to do what he wanted to through me. There are some of you in this room, and this might sound super stupid, but God has gifted you to serve. And just like with tongues, you're sitting there going like, that's a dumb gift, I'm not gonna use that. I know what people that serve do. They set up the stage on Sunday morning. They're man in the coffee booth in the foyer. Like, I, I do not feel called to that. Or go down the list on whatever the gift is, but we often back ourselves out of utilizing the gift that God's given us, either one, because we think, it's stupid and I've got something better than that. I just need to find it. Or two, I'm just good sitting in the back. I don't actually want to step into the game. And my, I remind us that when it comes to the church, there's no such thing as people that sit on the bleachers and watch the game be played. It can't happen. We, we are not playing football where you've got a 90-man roster and only 11 of you get on the field. That's not it. It's actually all hands on deck. Like, actually, if you're in this room and you haven't prayed recently, God, what are the spiritual gifts that you've given me? And when I look at my church family and I look at ways to utilize what you've given me, how do you see me fitting into the body and serving the church that you've plugged, in, plugged me into? If you aren't asking those questions then you're a spectator in the sport of Christianity, and that's not the course that Jesus has called you to. You're a player. We're players. That's the greatest thing about Jesus, is that Jesus literally saw fishermen and tax collectors and people that weren't legit players in the religion game, and Jesus saw them, he identified them, he pulled them up, he gave them a place, he gave them a gift, he gave them a call, and Jesus began to use them. The religious elite from the Jewish sector saw nothing in these people. And Jesus saw people that would actually follow the way of Jesus and lead the way for his church by the way of his spirit. Is that not awesome? And so as we look around this room, as I look around this room this morning, there's not one of you who is not gifted, called, equipped to be serving in the body of Christ, utilizing 
what Jesus has given you. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to kind of cut some stuff off here, but um, there's a ton with regards to spiritual gifts that obviously I can't get into. The, the next few weeks, I want to get into the particulars of some of these gifts. What do they look like? How do they function? How do we know if we have them? Um, what are tongues? Like, what does prophecy look like today? How, how do these things work in the church? And so I want to address those later. And it's important that we see, again, the foundational heart of these gifts, right? That the Holy Spirit actually is the gift that we've received from God. That these gifts are these unique expressions of the Spirit through each of his unique people. Like, you've been uniquely and wonderfully made, crafted so intentionally to serve the body of Christ in a way that nobody else can. Um, three, that the Holy Spirit expresses himself through God's people, that we might serve one another and point each other to God. Four, that God's people are called to love and pursue as many of these gifts or these expressions that God might be pleased to give us. This list that we read through, I don't think is an exhaustive list of all the gifts that exist. And I say all that to say, I think there's a lot more that Paul's not trying to say, here's all of them, but here's some of them that he's referencing. The dangerous side of this is that some people can take that and be like, well, then, you know, I've got the gift of like driving nice cars, you know? So I, I just, this is God's gift to me. I buy them and I drive them, you know what I mean? Um, that's the dangerous part. But the reality is there's much more than the 22-ish gifts that are mentioned in these handful of passages that I've laid out. But what I hope for is that in the weeks to come, hear me out, that you guys would earnestly ask the Holy Spirit to show you what gifts you've been given. And not just that he would reveal them to you, because it's one thing to know this is how I've been wired and how he's gifted me. It's another thing to actually begin to take opportunities to utilize those gifts. And the reality is that 100% of you in this room that have called upon the name of Jesus have the gifts. A small percentage of those in this room have actually begun to walk in them. There's a difference between possessing the Holy Spirit and walking in the Holy Spirit. As we talk about the second blessing, like I hate to say like you need to wait on the second blessing. For me, there was sort of a second blessing in the sense that like I believe it's salvation, I received the Holy Spirit. But in that moment, that day, I believe that God did something different to mark my life and give me a different purpose moving forward into an understanding as to why he gave me the gifts and wired me the way he did, that I begin to use it for his glory and to strengthen his church. I'm gonna invite the, the worship team to come up. But it's interesting, if you look at, I want you guys to do this, here's homework for you this week. I want you guys to go read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Honestly, go do this. I don't ever give homework. Here's homework. If you don't do it, you all flunk. We lock you out next week. I'm really sorry. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's interesting. Um, 12 is this, like, instructions to know and understand the gifts, if you read it. It maps them out. Here's some instructions and how to use these gifts. Um, 14 is this whole chapter basically on how to put guardrails on these gifts because what was happening was much like the American church where people had the gifts and then they begin to use them in ways that edified themselves, like put themselves on a pedestal, like look at the gift that I got, you know, like you want to get healed? 
come see Chris. You know, he's the one with the power. So they begin to prop themselves up, and the gifts were being used to point back to them. And so Paul takes this chapter in 1 Corinthians 14, and he begins to say, like, if you speak in tongues, here's the proper way to do it. And he begins to put guardrails on things because we need that, because we have a tendency to take really good things and begin to worship them and make them idols, right? To turn them into really bad things. <coughs> things we don't use for God's glory. <coughs> but sandwiched in between these two chapters is 1 Corinthians 13. Tell me what that chapter is all about. Ah, oh, sounds so good to hear you guys say that, right? Love. Which actually really maps out the motivation for these gifts, right? Like if you have or use a gift and you don't have love, then you're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, right? You're just stirring up a bunch of racket. It's worthless. If you've got a gift and you're using it to point to yourself and prop yourself up, make much of you, not point people back to Jesus or strengthen his church, it's just a bunch of noise and racket. And if you grew up in a tradition like me, you've seen that, tasted that, heard that, like been around that, and I want nothing to do with that. What I do want to see is people begin to use the gifts of strength in the church to edify it and to point people back to Jesus. And so 1 Corinthians 13 is really the motivation of these gifts is love. And, and I feel like if we look to the gifts as these expressions of God's love, like literally his gifts of grace to us and gifts of grace through us, then I don't think we can actually go wrong if the whole point of using them is to point people to him. But if they ever become about us, or if they ever become about building a massive church, or drawing attention to our gift, <laughs> then it takes the focus off of Christ, the giver of the gift. And he was really the centerpiece of the whole gift to begin with. If you're here this morning, maybe you're a new follower of Jesus, and you've never prayed and asked God, like, how have you wired me? How have you gifted me? How do you foresee me, Lord? strengthening, investing in, unifying, being part of your church, getting off the bench and into the game. How do you see me doing that? I encourage you in this next week to do that. If you've been around the church for years, like me, and you've seen enough of it that you've basically in your life become a person that's just like, sort of dissatisfied with it all, and at a season in your life where you're just like, ah, I've just never seen it used right, and so I just don't use it at all. I want to encourage you this morning that over the next few weeks, my prayer is that the Lord would really break down those walls in our heart. Because that becomes a handicap to the church when we don't utilize what he's graced us with to strengthen his body. And you all have something to offer. Like, that's just so amazing to me. To see the church functioning like that, I would love to see that in my day and age. Like, we talk a lot about revival. I think in revival, what happens is people are coming to know Jesus as a result of the church using the gifts that God's given them. That's going to happen. It's not going to be because one guy from the pulpit leads massive stadiums to Jesus, and that's the precipice of the revival. The precipice of the revival starts with you, the church, functioning as God intended and drawing people back to himself. So would you stand with me? Let me pray for you.
Why don't you bow your heads? If you're here this morning and like there's maybe the Lord's just speaking to your heart. I have no idea what he's doing inside of you. For some of you, maybe it's just a jadedness to Christianity altogether. For some of you, it's a jadedness to the gifts because of the way you've seen them used. For some of you, you literally sit here in your guilt and shame thinking of how there's no way God could use you because of all that you've done. And the shame has just been heaped upon you. For some of you in this room, you literally stand here and there's ailments in your bodies and you're wondering, can God heal? Will, will God heal? Man, regardless of whether or not he will, we believe he can. And we also believe we should pray. And so if you're anybody under any of those categories I just listed, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? Keep your hands up. Jesus, I thank you for each person this morning with their hands raised. I thank you for their boldness just to raise their hand and identify the fact that, Lord, they need prayer this morning. And I ask, Lord, as we lift them up to you, that you do the heavy lifting. God, would you get into their heart, Lord? Would you transform them, God? Would you re- generate their minds, their hearts, their lives. Lord, would you form them around you, Jesus? Would you reveal your gifts to them? For those in this room that are just jaded, I pray, Jesus, for just a softening of their heart and an understanding of your great love and your compassion for them, that though a world of hurt has been done against them that they've seen in the church, that doesn't reflect your grace and your kindness and your love and your adoration for them. And Jesus, for those who are sick, have ailments in their bodies, we want to lift them up to you this morning because we believe you are the author and the perfecter of our lives, that you know us better than anybody, every hair on our heads. You know how our bodies are so intrinsically wired. And I pray, Jesus, for your healing touch upon multiple bodies in this room this morning as they call out to you and ask for your healing touch. We thank you, Jesus, for the gifts that you've given your church. I pray for our church that we continue to be a church that would watch as those gifts begin to be used to serve one another and bring much attention back to you. And we thank you for this morning in your name, Jesus. Amen. Sing with me. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. 
Strong. 